Make sure to stay after the episode for our special reaction to the third Democratic presidential debate. You're listening to Politics Weekly. To uh, be big underdogs uh, in the race uh, for the uh, the presidency. One of them is uh, joining me today. We can survive all those systems. What's going to happen if you legalize it completely? Politics Weekly is a podcast on politics, news, and principles. So let's get right into the news. Uh, so uh, first of all, uh, uh, one thing I should probably note, this Thursday there was a, uh, a Democratic debate, a new Democratic debate uh, on ABC. Um, the debate featured just 10 candidates this time due to the uh, polling requirements being heightened. Uh, you used to have to receive 65,000 uh, individual donor uh, donations and uh, and get one um, uh, percent in three polls uh, verified by the Democratic National Committee, but now they've raised it so that you have to get one hundred and thirty thousand uh, individual donors, and you have to be receiving three uh, percent uh, in at least five national polls uh, verified by the Democratic National Committee, which means. Uh, that uh, the uh, which means that there were only ten candidates. Only ten candidates made those requirements. Those ten uh, being uh, former U.S. Vice President Joe Biden, Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren, Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders, uh, California Senator Kamala Harris, South Bend, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg, businessman Andrew Yang. New Jersey Senator Cory Booker, former Texas Congressman Beto O'Rourke, Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar, and former U.S. Secretary uh, of Housing and Urban Development Julian Castro. Uh, Megan, you wanted to talk about uh, in regards to the debate? Well, I mean, they were going after each other because they have to. I mean, it's a matter of their survival, but I think the points I would like to make are about Joe Biden, Julian Castro, and also one of my favorite, Beto O'Rourke. Starting with Beto, his answer to, well, are you going to take away the guns and, you know, take away the AR-15s? And he said, hell yeah, we are. And I'm like, well, there goes your chance of getting elected because, you know, um, a lot of people, since this debate over the guns has ignited a a controversy of uh, background checks that the, I don't know if people know this, but gun sales keep going up. People are, they keep going 
to people go buy guns because this is what the Democrats want. They want to take your guns. And when they talk about a buyback program, well, if they give you money or some coupon, how are you going to defend yourself with that? That is, I think is a very strange argument for them to stand on as far as taking your guns and then what are you left with? They want to make you feel guilty for your gun. That's all it is. That plus Biden's um, speech, he, he was making, uh, I guess, a speech about something during the debate or you know, during the question. And he had first started, said, oh, uh, he had used um, a radio and then he went to a record player. Well, Biden, Joe, come on. Nobody really uses a record, a record player. But in his defense, the record player is coming back with vinyl records. So that is a defense that I can say. But for, as far as his mind, he is not mentally fit neither to run nor lead our country. If you just look at how he, uh, when he speaks, his eyes um, uh, and the way he tries to struggle for the words, you don't see that in, tres- uh, in President Trump. Um, the way that he is, his eyes blink you don't see that in President Trump. Uh, stuttering, you don't see that in President Trump. So, and President Trump hasn't had a, um, he hasn't had two aneurysms, which I find this case that the doctor who operated, the brain surgeon who operated on Biden said he only has a 35 to 50% chance of being normal. So this is not normal. There's that, and Julian Castro, he had made a comment about himself as being, yes, he, everybody claims that they're an immigrant, but our our immigrants just go way past um, our, relatives and okay ancestors i think people are trying to use their ancestors as a relative which is you could do it when you're doing a um a search for but you can't like uh say okay this is what my ancestor did so i'll do the same no 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 um it's interesting because he used himself as um as like an, an when he must have said that there was an immigration question and his answer in, included oh like me I'm an immigrant you're gonna gonna separate me from my children or you know for people who are are iced or you're gonna come and get people like me and like okay um so that that's my comment about those 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 three guys so all right well uh why don't we move on speaking of debates we now know more about the fourth democratic debate uh, mm-hmm. 
held on Tuesday, October 15th, uh, and it will be hosted by CNN and the New York Times. It will be a collaboration between the two. We also know uh, uh, the 10 candidates that I mentioned before. That includes former U.S. Vice President Joe Biden, uh, 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 Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren, uh, Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders, uh, California Senator uh, Kamala Harris, South Bend, Indiana Mayor uh, Pete Buttigieg, uh, uh, businessman Andrew Yang, uh, New Jersey Senator Cory Booker, uh, former Texas Congressman Beto O'Rourke, Minnesota Senator uh, Amy Klobuchar, and former U.S. Secretary of Housing and Urban Development Julian Castro are confirmed to be on the next debate stage. But we also know an 11th candidate who will be there, uh, and that will be businessman Tom Steyer. He recently made the qualifications uh, to make it onto the next debate stage. What are your thoughts on Steyer making it onto the debate stage? And do you think there will be any other candidates that make the requirement? Well, I, I'm glad that Steyer, uh, even though I'm a Republican, I mean, I'm glad that Steyer is there because now we don't have to listen to Marion Williamson. Um, who did make the cut. Um, and I don't even know if this is, she won't be in this round or she might be in the next round. Who knows? Uh, I, I, I think, I think it's good because we've heard the Democrats have, have heard so much from the ones that you mentioned, Biden, Bernie, uh, Elizabeth, on and on, but they really haven't heard a lot from Tom Steyer, I think that, I mean, that would maybe a, a fresh of, um, a breath of fresh air for people, not only in the audience, who are looking to vote for someone who is way different than what they've already seen, as far as, you know, a career politician and the same socialist, um, you know, uh, agenda they want, would they would like to put um, into this country and take out our uh, constitution. So I think, you know, he, he might be a, a fresher, um, uh, a, a breath of fresh air for, and uh, for, you know, the party. <laughs> um, all right. So why don't we, uh, why don't we move on to the next story? So this week there were, uh, Two crucial uh, elections in North Carolina, two uh, crucial House races, uh, one in the third uh, congressional district uh, and one in the ninth. Right. So um, in the uh, uh, in the third uh, congressional district, uh, uh, this was a seat that was left vacant. There had to be a special election uh, because Walter Jones, the sitting congressman who represented North Carolina's third congressional district, uh, died on his 76th birthday. Um, so this was a, uh, a special election to fill that seat. Uh, this one was not expected to be competitive. It's considered an extremely Republican district. Donald Trump won the district by a big margin. Um, so not many uh, Republicans were holding their breath on this one. 
uh, and to the uh, the shock of no political pundit, uh, Republican state lawmaker uh, Greg Murphy defeated uh, Alan Thomas, the former uh, mayor of uh, Greenville, who was uh, of Greenville, North Carolina, who ran uh, as a uh, Democrat. Uh, he defeated him by a uh, 62 to 37 percent margin. Uh, this was uh, not a surprise, uh, as this is uh, in a, an incredibly Republican district. But the one uh, race that everyone was paying attention to uh, was in the ninth district. This was a crucial race uh, that Republicans needed to win. Um, so this in this uh, race, uh, State Senator uh, Dan Bishop was the Republican candidate. And he was running against uh, uh, Dan McCre- uh, former U.S. veteran, uh, a retired U.S. veteran, Dan McCready. Um, if you remember, McCready actually uh, ran again uh, in the 2018 midterms, uh, and he was narrowly defeated by Mark Harris by just 900 votes. Uh, Dan Harris being the Republican businessman. Um, However, uh, because the results were not verified, uh, a special election had to take place uh, to settle the score between McCready uh, and Bishop and uh, Harris. The previous Republican decided not to run, so Dan Bishop, the state senator, ran instead. Uh, And it seems as though Dan Bishop narrowly uh, took home the win, uh, defeating McCready by a 51 to 49 percent margin uh now megan you live in north carolina what were your thoughts on these two uh nationally watched elections well i was i was thrilled i mean of course and i was um pretty amazed that first um you know the ninth district um voted um for a republican um, in the ninth district, black voters, the the amount of people voted for um, the candidate, you know, I'm sorry, my brain is kind of a little bit fried right now. Um, but he, they voted for him. They were, it was mostly in a black district. I mean, that's amazing. It shows a lot. Of how of the in, in being informed the black community is, and they're not taking this. Um, de, uh, they're not taking um, the words of Democrats anymore as serious. They're not going to follow in their footsteps. They're, they are going to make up their own minds. Look, they just voted for Dan Blankenship. I mean, come on, he just he, he didn't get in the race. He got in the race like six months ago, and and it, it, it's like um, it's hard to compare. But I like to compare it to to like a World Series or you know like the the, the buzzer at the uh, at a basketball game. That's what it's like. It's like um, oh God, can 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 we do this? Can we make this? Can we get get the win out of this? Um, we know we know that the other candidate is a favorite, and not only that, but the other candidate, McCleary, 
he had tons of money coming in from outside sources, um, which, you know, it, it actually really goes to show you, it's not the money, it's the message, Nolan. It's really the message. People um, are listening to the message a lot, and I, and I see that. Hello? 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 Oh, hi. Okay, now I can hear you. All right. Continue. Hello? Hello? Hello, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Okay, I can hear you. Okay. Uh, continue. So, yeah, the, the um, I think the, the Democrats whose um, base is basically the, the black community, they're, they've lost them. And they're going to keep losing them because they voted for Dan Blankenship. They didn't want to hear McClear, um, uh, his um, message. They wanted to hear uh, Dan Blankenship's message. And, and it's like, it's not the, I don't know, um, I don't think the, uh, those supporters and, and who are probably in, have an, in, have a small income, but I don't think that you really need to donate to a party. You just need to listen to them. Um, and they will, they will respond with their vote. That's, you know. It's not as much as as money. It's the message again, uh, Nolan. And people want to hear the message. They don't want to spend the money. <laughs> they want to hear the message. That's what it is. All right. Uh, well, let's move on to the next story. So the next story is involving the resignation of national security, or the resignation. It seems that Trump uh, actually fired him. Uh, national Security Advisor John Bolton. Uh, Donald Trump announced on Twitter last week, quote, uh, on Monday last week, he announced, quote, I informed John, oh, sorry, Tuesday last week, he announced, quote, I informed John Bolton last night, and this is via Twitter, uh, that his services are no longer needed at the White House. I disagreed strongly with many of his suggestions, as did others in the administration. And therefore, I asked John to resign. Uh, which was given to me this morning. I, j- I thank John very much for his service. I will be naming a new national security advisor next week. Uh, what are your thoughts on the resignation of national security advisor John, or the firing of national security advisor John Bolton? Well, uh, here, you know, I, I remember this, this out a little while ago. So um, his firing by the president, uh, Trump, I believe is correct. Because um, one, um, Ambassador, uh, I mean, uh, Secretary of State Bolton, he is um, a, and I agree, a war hawk. Um, and right now, you've heard of that the um, Houthis in the, uh, of Iran, they attacked an oil um, refinery with a drone and some other um, weapons. So we have no fight in, in that there, in over there, because now we are, um, a, so we have so much oil and natural gas that we don't need, we don't need the oil. Um, so, and the other thing is, is that 
we don't want a need or to go to war. And the reason why we did go to war was a long time, you know, in the beginning was because we were controlled by colonies, um, by the, by England, the Kings, then uh, who was controlled by England and the, the King, then because of slavery and the Confederates wanted to take the United States and turn it into a, re- not a Republic. And we went to fight for these reasons and more. You have to understand that we've been attacked on our home soil many times. Um, that's when we go after and fight the enemy over there. The reason we have stayed longer in the Middle East is because of an uprising. We have to defend the people who cannot defend themselves. That's why, um, and it was because of the caliphate, and that's, you know, that is a violent in order to innocent religious sects. So um, as Christians and Jewish and as and, and Sikhs, I mean, it was, it's, and that, um, you know, is concerning, you know, when you have a caliphate, um, that and there, there are also tr- uh, people in the Middle East who are part of this caliphate want to um, bring this to the United States to make the world a Muslim world. But we cannot let that happen because if we do, then we are not free. We all have to be the same. I would not like to be the same. I'd like to be different. Thank you very much. <laughs> and I'd like to live. Thank you very much. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, let's move on then. So the uh, the next story uh, is involving uh, two Senate races uh, in Georgia and Kansas. So uh, in uh, in 2020, the Democratic Party would like to take back the Senate, and two of the races they're targeting are in Kansas and Georgia. These states are traditionally Republican states. Uh, but Democrats uh, think that there could be a tide turning that could help them win these elections. Uh, uh, Stacey Abrams came just two points away from winning the gubernatorial race in Georgia in 2018. And uh, Laura, Democrat Laura Kelly actually won uh, the uh, gubernatorial race in Kansas in 2018, which has given Democrats hope there. Um, and uh, in uh, Georgia, um, uh, David Perdue is running for a second term, and uh, Democrats would like to unseat him. And in uh, Kansas, it is an open race. Well, we know uh, in the uh, Georgia Senate race, we now know uh, one candidate uh, who will be running, and that is uh, John Ossoff. Uh, so uh, John Ossoff uh, is a liberal filmmaker, uh, a liberal documentary filmmaker who made headlines in 2017 uh, when he uh, narrowly lost uh, a, uh, a congressional race, uh, a special election, a congressional special election, uh, in, which was closely watched uh, by many, uh, uh, by many uh, pundits. Uh, and, and he narrowly lost that. Uh, Ossoff now says he's running uh, against Purdue in the U.S. Senate. Uh, he faces a multitude of candidates, uh, 
such as Clarkson, Georgia Mayor Teddy Terry, former Mayor of Columbus, Georgia, uh, Teresa Tomlinson, uh, and uh, uh, nominee for Lieutenant Governor of Georgia in 2018, Sarah uh, Amico. uh, But Ossoff still uh, hopes to win there. We also know in Kansas... Uh, another race that Democrats would like to uh, pick up. We now know one Republican that is running to replace incumbent Pat Roberts, who is retiring uh, there, and that is uh, uh, that is uh, Robert Marshall, the uh, incumbent uh, congressman representing Kansas's first congressional district in the U.S. House of Representatives. Uh, he uh, announced that he will be running. Uh, what are your thoughts on these updates regarding the Senate race? Well, the only thing I can comment on is I really can't come out on comment on the candidates and and some of the people. The only one I would I I've heard is is uh, Purdue, but the only thing I can say is that I hope you know the Republicans when you know they keep it. Uh, um, uh, they, you know, they win. That's all I can say. Because we, we need we need every win we could properly get. Because we need to get the need to keep the keep the White House, get the House back, and uh, really, you know, and uh, get the House back, of course. But we also need to get um, send the um, the four women who talk so anti-American in our country, we need to send them back, not to the, you know, as people say, oh, to their home country. No, just to back to their, you know, constituents and say, well, how come you lost or how come you didn't, you know, protect, you know, didn't do what I wanted or whatever. Hang on one second. <coughs> so, but that's what I can say about the two races, but that's all I can say. All right. Uh, well, let's uh, move on uh, to the next uh, story. So the next story uh, is involving uh, Brett Kavanaugh. So another uh, woman accused <laughs> uh, Mr. Kavanaugh, uh, the Supreme Court Justice, of inappropriate behavior. Uh, now uh, many... Uh, uh, candidates running for president, uh, or many of the Democrats, such as uh, California Senator Kamala Harris, uh, Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren, and former U.S. Secretary of Housing and Urban Development Julian Castro, are all calling for an impeachment uh, into Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, uh, Kavanaugh is denying this, uh, as is President Donald Trump. What are your thoughts? Well, my thoughts are. First of all, Kamala Harris, someone asked her, well, did you read, you know, her report or did you ever, you know, meet her in person or anything? And no, she didn't. So for her and also, well, to say that she believes um, the original accuser who was on, you know, who testified said that, well, I believe her. She's credible. I'm like, well, did you read her? Did you meet her? Did you did uh, and talk to her? Did you read the um, her statement? 
she did none of that. So it's like, how could you know that she's credible when you haven't done either? Um, I think that is the a point that uh, for my party in to make that if you make a comment that says, oh, yeah, I know this person. Well, have you talked to this person? Have you, you know, spent time with this person? Y- you have to really ask the questions that follow with that, uh, follow with it that are, um, have been answered. So I, I think that, and and all of them, they're they're just trying to score points, Nolan. They're they're just trying to um, these candidates are just trying to score points. It's it it's a lot. I mean, it's like what they do with the, you know, the black community, you and you know, with the gay community. They're just trying to score points, so it sounds good, you know. In the Me Too movement, that's the thing. They they want to. Um, not only be part of it, but they want to believe it so much that that they will um, say anything and everything they can just for a vote. And I just it's um, it's sad, it's um, vicious, and it's evil that they do that just for the vote. And that's what they're doing. And there's no uh, credibility on either side of this. All right. Uh, well, uh, why don't we move on? So the uh, the uh, the fight over Brexit uh, is content going across the pond. The fight over the Brexit uh, deal is continuing uh, to go forward. Uh, England's prime minister or the UK's prime minister Boris Johnson is now saying that he plans to sue in courts to get the uh, the blocking of the no deal overturned. If you remember, uh, the legislature in England uh, voted to block a no deal uh, Brexit. Uh, Boris Johnson has said that he would consider a no deal Brexit uh, if he is unable to achieve uh, a pot, what he views as a positive deal for Brexit. Uh, the, uh, the, uh, uh, Parliament voted against to block that, saying that if uh, Johnson is unable to reach a deal, he has to seek another uh, delay. Uh, Boris Johnson uh, oppo- has said that he opposes that uh, and says that he would rather die in a ditch, uh, quote-unquote, die in a ditch, uh, than uh, do that. Uh, what, and now he is suing to get that deal overturned. What are your thoughts on him suing to overturn that deal? Well, I, I think it's it's great because well, um, two two factors. One is because the House and Commons of Lords. I mean, you look at their their government; it's kind of like our government. It's like um, it, it's like the Democrats. They they just keep fighting President Trump, and uh, in the in the UK, um, they they just keep fighting. You know, they fought. Uh, Theresa May, and they've they've already fought. Um, uh, they they're, they're already fighting Boris Johnson, but I, I think it's great because he's taking Boris Johnson is taking a page out of uh, Trump's um, book. 
you know, just sue them. It's just do it. You know, use the, use the courts that you have, um, against, um, their wishes. So I think what he's doing is great. And I, I hope that Brexit does leave. Um, I, I mean, I hope Brexit does occur because that would be great. And I would be very, it would be, um, freeing for Britain to do and being under control. Hey, we, you know, before the United States was under control, we had colonies and we were controlled, but we were controlled from a distance from the, from a long distance of over the ocean into, um, and and could, but controlled by a king, a king, not a president, a monarch. So I think it's great that, he's doing this and i hope he succeeds all right uh why don't we uh why don't we move on then to the hold on why don't we move on to the next story uh so uh the next story uh involving andrew yang so uh right now uh saturday night live uh is preparing to return for its newest uh, season, uh, and uh, there are three new cast members slash writers uh, that uh, um, uh, that are about to come on, that are about to be on the newest season. Um, but uh, right now, uh, there is a bit of controversy uh, about. Um, a uh, a comment that one of the uh, SNL writers uh, or one of the new SNL writers uh, slash uh, uh, slash uh, actors that or slash cast members that are going to be joining season forty five. Uh, Shane uh, Joas uh, is uh, the uh, was an SNL. Uh, or he was slated to be a new actor on Saturday Night Live. Um, however, he was recently fired uh, from the program. Uh, Gillis uh, made a, uh, a comment on a 2018 podcast uh, about um, uh, where he said, uh, where he called Andrew Yang the Democratic candidate for president. Uh, or Here's what he said. Uh, or no, this is what Andrew Yang said. Um, but uh, on his podcast, uh, Shane Gillis controversially called uh, uh, An- Andrew Yang a Jew bleep. Uh, I'm not going to say the word. It's a pretty raunchy word. Anybody can f- probably find the word on the internet if you're looking for it. Um, I'm not going to repeat it here. Um, but uh, it was a pretty raunchy word. Um, and uh, many people are offended by that now. Um, but uh, Andrew Yang uh, has said that he does not believe uh, that he should uh, be fired. Uh, Gillis says, or Yang says in response to Gillis, he says, quote, I've experienced a lot of anti-Asian racism throughout my upbringing, and it hurts. It is something that is very real. And I do not think anti-Asian racial uh, uh, effects are uh, uh, not taken as seriously as slurs against other groups. But at the same time, bigger picture, 
I believe that our country has become uh, ex- uh, ex- uh, excessively uh, punitive uh, and vi- uh, vindicative about remarks that people find offensive or racist, uh, and that we need to try and move beyond that if we can, uh, particularly in a case where the person is, uh, in this case to me, uh, like a comedian whose words should be taken uh, in a slightly different uh, light. Uh, recently, um, however, in spite of this, although Yang said he was not offended by that, uh, uh, S- or, or though he said that he doesn't think that Gillis should be fired, Gillis was eventually fired uh, from SNL, and he will not be joining the cast. What are your thoughts? Well, first of all, I I haven't watched Saturday Night Live since, like, um, the 2000s, <laughs> because it's just... It's just so it's for me it's it's out of touch. They've been more political, and but the thing is is that on one side people are taking words that people like comedians um, too seriously. It, it's like you can't laugh anymore. It's like after nine eleven. We, um, you couldn't let you had to watch what you had to, to say, and it's just it's becoming so PC that you just can't have a laugh anymore. But I, but I don't think what uh, Jill said it wasn't. I mean, of course, it, 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 the name calling is not funny when it comes to you know to that. I just don't. I, I think that. Comics need to probably tone down the um, attacks on, especially race. I think, but I mean, other than this, it, it's it, for me, it's kind of little to me because we have bigger problems in our country, and the world is um, as uh, in I would say crazy and still in danger. Um, you know, with Iran and China and North Korea and the Middle East and, and what I just said, it's becoming clear that we're taking these things too seriously, um, and it, it it has to it has to be toned, kind of toned down, just kind of you know. So that's probably probably about it on that comment because <laughs> you're like okay let's All go right. uh any other uh topics you wanted to discuss not really i mean well i i, I guess um for me i'm a big football fan and i i think that one of the the topics that it's just uh is the way antonio brown manipulated a trade or you know getting out of a deal to um go to the uh new england patriots i just find that and and, but and then again that i found was interesting but the thing is is that this guy has so much baggage and i'm and he's not gonna last that long with this with he has two accusers now um, that saying that he, right, you know, raped him and in in uh, some other um 
non uh, un um, ethical things that he did. I just think that it's just you know amazing. I don't know about you if you're a good good sports guy, but I this gal loves uh, loves um, sports, entertainment, music, <laughs> politics. All right. Uh, anything uh, anything else you wanted to discuss, or is that it? I think that's probably it. But I've um uh my podcast is uh, charging Republican. And um, I hope to uh, have some more episodes out. And I'd just like to say thank you so much for giving me an opportunity. And I am keep working on my delivery um, in our, uh, our time. So just thank you so much. Awesome. Uh, thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. Bye. Thank Bye. On. All right, everyone. Welcome back to uh, the uh, to an extra special, uh, an extra segment of Politics Weekly. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about our post debate uh, wrap up uh, for the third Democratic debate. Uh, notice how I didn't say debates this time. Last time I used the term debates. This time there was only one. Uh, that's because the uh, debate requirements were uh, heightened, which meant that there were fewer candidates uh, that were able to get on the stage. But joining us to talk about our uh, post-debate wrap-up, um, he uh, is the founder of Political Window, and he's been a guest on our podcast, Politics Weekly, before, Omar Yacobi. Thank you for joining me, Omar. My pleasure. Hi there. Uh, so... Um, uh, tonight, or last night, uh, the candidates that made it onto the stage included uh, former U.S. Vice President Joe Biden, Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren, uh, Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders, uh, California Senator Kamala Harris, uh, uh, South Bend, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg, businessman Andrew Yang, New Jersey Senator Cory Booker, uh, former uh, Texas Congressman Beto O'Rourke, Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar, and former U.S. Secretary of Housing and Urban Development Julian Castro. Now, many candidates last night uh, were absent, including Hawaii Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard, businessman Tom Steyer, author Marianne Williamson, and... uh, uh, author Marianne Williamson, uh, Congressman Tim Ryan, uh, Sen- uh, Colorado uh, Senator Michael Bennett, uh, Pennsylvania con- former Pennsylvania Congressman Joe Sestak, Miramar, Florida Mayor uh, Wayne Messam, uh, Montana uh, Governor uh, Steve Bullock, former Maryland Congressman John Delaney, and New York, New York Mayor Bill de Blasio. So let's start with uh, the debates. Uh, overall thoughts, who were the uh, the biggest winners and the biggest losers uh, of last night's debates? So uh, for, for my takeaway, I, I didn't see a whole lot of change, at least personally for me, in terms of how I perceive the candidates. 
Um, I, I think I saw a spark of presidential leadership from uh, Beto O'Rourke when he said, hell yes, we're coming for your guns. Uh, but that, that remark received a mixed reception, so I don't know if that actually won anyone over. Um, and I, mostly I, I just heard a lot of talking points uh, repeated from, uh, I don't know if his previous debates, but it, it's like I, I already knew that's what they stood for. <laughs> so uh, I, I didn't really see any breakout moments. I saw a lot of posturing. And I, I'm not, honestly, I'm not sure that debate really served the American people well, because uh, it, it's a product of our current political climate. Um, now, uh, during, uh, last night, there were a lot of times when, uh, f uh, Julian Castro was taking a lot of jabs at Joe Biden. Yes. Um, do you think he was successful in his attempts to, uh, go after Joe Biden or do you think he failed too? What are your thoughts? I mean, we'll, we'll see what voters think. I, I saw at least one media report where they just kind of regurgitated what he said and, uh, at least when I saw that moment, what he said wasn't really true. Uh, it was a very strong rhetorical attack that was actually substance-free, uh, <laughs> which is, you know, guess who else is really good at that? Our current president. Um, so I, I was a little bit disappointed to see Julian take that route. Uh, I, I Honestly, at this point, I don't know what his other qualifications for president are. Um, so I, that, that's why I'm saying I, I think the posturing didn't really help voters make a good decision. Because it, it, at least for me, it's about the policies you support and how those are going to affect the lives of Americans. And I, I didn't hear a lot of that. Um, so that, that's what I was listening for. Now, before this debate, a lot of uh, media outlets were saying that this was a crucial night for uh, Pete Buttigieg, because uh, Pete Buttigieg, uh, when he got in, he was considered the underdog, and then he saw a giant spike in the polls. At one point, he was pulling third behind Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders. Uh, now he's been bumped back to fifth. Uh, now he's been seeing uh, some steadily dropping poll numbers. There have been some polls that have showed him uh, polling as low as 4%. So many people thought this was a make-or-break moment for Pete Buttigieg. Uh, do you think this was a good night for him? I, I think he held his own. I, I don't know if he won over anyone new. Um, I, I, I think some of the policy differences did become clearer when the discussion turned toward health care. Um, but I, I, I just don't know if the, the style is going to win over the substance this time. Because uh, I, I, I think that underneath all this stuff about make america great again and trump's behavior i i think they are looking for solutions uh and and change um so i we'll, we'll see how the polls move in the next days or weeks ahead uh but i from this debate i don't expect a lot of movement um now uh one thing that was interesting uh or, or one thing that happened at the very beginning was uh there was a bit as you mentioned there was a big uh, argument over health care. Um, Joe Biden uh, and uh, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren were going at it about uh, Obamacare and Medicare for all. And many of them were arguing about whether it would eliminate private insurance. Uh, do you think any of the be Democrats benefited from that argument? 
uh, on that stage. Do you think that there were any that uh, were hurt by that argument, or do you think it didn't help anything? It didn't help anyone, or it didn't affect anyone? Well, well yeah, I, I think it came out a, a draw, because the I think the camps in the Democratic Party have pretty much settled. I, I know Warren has been gaining... Uh, recently, and I, I'm uh, mostly at the expense of Kamala Harris. Um, so I, I think the people who listened to that debate probably already had their minds made up, and I, I think those who were looking to be convinced or, or were trying to figure out their position, uh, obviously, I, I, I didn't hear a lot of details in this debate about you know how, how it's going to affect people personally i i know Buttigieg stood up and made a point about well I, I trust you to make a choice about what's good for you but that that struck me as a little bit tone deaf uh because a lot of people aren't happy with their current choices so that's why i'm thinking either you're for the current system or you're not and i i, I don't know if voters heard anything that's going to make them change their position um now there was also a uh a bit of a debate uh, over charter schools, uh, mainly that stemmed from Andrew Yang, um, because there was a statement that Andrew Yang made apparently a while back in support of charter schools. How do you think that discussion went over? Do you think, again, do you think there were any Democrats that benefited from that conversation? Do you think there were any that were hurt? Do you think it didn't affect anyone? Do you, what do you think? So I, I this is a pretty bread and butter issue, I think, for, for uh, hardcore Democrats. Uh, as far as the general public, I, I'm not sure because I, I haven't really looked at the polling on the issue. But I, I know that Yang comes in as kind of an outsider of the Democratic Party, especially on this issue, uh, because Democrats are traditionally in favor of you know a, a strong public education system that benefits everyone equally, uh, whereas as Charter kind of brings in profit into the equation and then the question is you know who who really benefits from that um for for me it's not a make or break issue but i imagine a lot of parents with children would feel differently (laughs) so um i I, i've never heard of it being a definitional issue on the national stage before I, i think it's one of those things that get kind of discussed in backroom deals um but yeah i'd love to see polling on that if if i'm wrong um now uh Another uh, uh, another thing regarding Andrew Yang on the topic of Andrew Yang in his opening statement he did uh, he kind he he announced that he was going to do a giveaway he was going to give ten people a thousand dollars a month uh, uh, or he, he was going to make ten people a part of his Freedom Dividend project which is of course the idea that he would give people a thousand dollars a month. Um, and you just had to go to his website, but that was pretty unprecedented for a candidate during a, uh, during an opening statement, even, uh, Pete Buttigieg said, wow, I'll give you that. That's original. Um, uh, what, do you think that that was a smart move politically for Yang? I I do. I I think for his position in the polls, he needs something to stand out. And, you know, the opening statements are, are there their chance to make their pitch directly to the American people on national television. So I think he used that moment to maximum effect. Uh, whether that will win people over to his cause, I don't know. He, he said he's running as a single-issue candidate on that issue. Um, I, I don't know if voters are going to be drawn to that specifically because of a gimmick or a, a marketing stunt. I, I 
I feel like if they're going to move toward that issue, they're going to need to hear more about why. And I, I, I did watch one of his recent speeches that explained why. So I guess maybe personally, I would have rather heard that during the opening statement. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like it was like, yeah, it's great to raise his visibility, but then at the same time, is that going to give voters the, I guess, the meat that they need to, um, to switch positions, you know, I, I don't think it will. Uh, now, tonight was a pretty, cru- or last night was a pretty crucial night for Kamala Harris as well. Uh, of course, during the first debate that she appeared in, uh, she took a lot of shots at Joe Biden. She got a lot of coverage, um, and she saw her poll numbers go up significantly. Um, but uh, eventually, her poll numbers sort of dwindled. Uh, especially after the second debate she appeared in. Um, this was another crucial night for her. How do you think she did? I, for, from what I was able to see of her performance, uh, I, it seemed pretty measured uh, to me. I, I think she was trying to go for a presidential uh, appearance. And, I, and uh, you know, to be completely open about this, I, I think this is a challenge for uh, female candidates. Because, you know, strong men get that benefit of like, well, he appeared presidential and, and you know, he, he went out and took a risk, you know, <laughs> whereas women are trying to walk this careful line of like, well, I need to look presidential and responsible and not too reckless, you know. Uh, so I, I don't know exactly what to make of, of uh, Ms. Harris' performance, but I, I have to say just personally, like, it, it didn't win me over. I didn't see a, a human there she might have been listening to maybe too much to her advisors about how she was supposed to come across rather than maybe who she was as a person now how do you think uh elizabeth warren did because this was another big night for her she's been gaining a lot in the polls uh for the last couple months <clears throat> so that presidential I've seen her I actually got kind of excited when I saw that that fire get in her I thought that could be our next president I that could win people over and th- this could be why she's been getting in the polls lately is that I, I think she's getting the tone down she's getting the appearance down and, and you know we were talking about style and substance earlier this is a candidate who might have both and I, I wasn't a fan of Warren initially but um, she's actually yeah. slightly winning me over too um, another, another candidate I want to talk about is Bernie Sanders. How do you think he did? I found it difficult to listen to him. <laughs> I think he needed a cough drop or something. Uh, personally, I'm a fan of his policies. I don't think this was a good night for him in terms of salesmanship. Uh, he has kind of the same recycled canned lines that keep coming up over and over. And, you know, we're talking about candidates coming across as people. I, I think he needs to do that a little bit, too, which is funny because he's normally considered the, the straight-talking, plain-spoken guy. Um, but in, in a debate setting, I wanted to see more originality from him and, and more explanation of, of again, what, what their policies will mean to the American people. Um, now, of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't if we didn't talk about the front runner, uh, Joe Biden. How do you think he did? Uh, I think he was a little bit too measured. Um, he is a careful politician, very experienced. Uh, when Julian went after him, he didn't respond. And I, I think that actually hurt him a little bit if if Americans are paying attention to the policy aspects. Because uh, he, he didn't get to explain himself fully. I, I heard him start to say, you know, uh, 
the, the, you buy in based on your income. You know, so Julian was trying to paint him as being on both sides of the issue, but really there was a substance to Biden's policy that was there. But for whatever reason, he didn't take the time to explain or demand it from the debate moderator. Uh, so that that actually concerns me a little bit if he's going against someone like Trump, because you you need to be assertive with him. Um, now, how do you think some of the uh, candidates that are polling lower did? Of course, I'm talking about your Amy Klobuchar's and your Julian Castro's, and, and I guess you could also say your Beto O'Rourke's to an extent. Uh, do you think they gained uh, any ground tonight? It, it's hard to break out when you're that low in the polls. Uh, <coughs> the, the moves you make, like Beto's about taking your guns, can seem, even if they're true, because I, I think he was very honest in that statement, I think it can come across as, as desperate. Uh, so I don't know if, if anything those candidates did is going to move the needle for, for their numbers. Uh Ms. Ms. Klobuchar, I have a lot of respect for. I think she has great positions, and she explained them very carefully. Uh, personally, just uh, you know, as a human being, I, I didn't really feel a connection with her. Uh, of like, well, the, this is someone I want to cast my ballot for. Uh, I, I feel like she's a great senator. I'm not, at least from what I saw of last night's debate, I'm not convinced yet that she would make a great president. Um. Now. Do you believe that out of all the candidates on the stage last night, that there that any of them will have to drop out after tonight, or do you think that that we're not quite there yet? I did not see any fatal errors, um, so the, you can give that credit to all ten candidates. They can at least stand on the stage and, and not slip up. <laughs> um, so yeah, I. I I don't know if it's time yet. It's still pretty early in the race. Uh, I imagine they're, they're going to continue making their case, um, and we'll see what happens. Um, now, I believe uh, it was either Kamala Harris uh, or Elizabeth Warren, or no, not Elizabeth Warren, it was either Kamala Harris or Amy Klobuchar that made this point that um, that I think like 20 or so minutes in, uh, the, Donald Trump was not mentioned um, why do you think that is? I mean, I, I think that's a good idea f uh, from these candidates. I don't know if it was intentional or not, but uh, I, I don't think that Democrats should allow Trump to define them and who they are and what they stand for. Americans need not just to vote against something, they need a positive vision of what they're voting for. That's what they had in, in President Obama. Uh, so I, I think they were trying to channel him to some degree more or less in this debate. Uh, although it was, we had an interesting back and forth between uh, Biden and Warren about um, you know who's really uh, fulfilling Obama's legacy. Um, how do you think that went? How do you think that conversation? And I believe Castro kind of got into that co conversation <laughs> too. How do you think that went? I I thought it was a little bit petty. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I I'm fulfilling his legacy and you're not. I mean, what what does that even mean? Um, I. That, that's where I feel like the, this debate was mostly about style and, and didn't really get into the, the substance of things. So it, it, it comes across as posturing. I, I think to some degree Americans are used to that from politicians by now, so I don't necessarily know if it hurts them. Uh, but, you know, as one of the candidates said, it's an election. Um, what were your thoughts on Cory Booker's performance tonight? I, I saw the fire in his eyes. I, I think he wants the office. Uh, what I heard come out of his mouth, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if, if, if he, he should be president or not, honestly. Like, I, I just, I agree with his positions. 
I think he did a wonderful job as mayor, and I again, I think he's a great senator. Um, I I don't know what it is that makes me think that someone says, oh yeah, that person should be president, but I, I didn't see that uh, in his statements. Um, I, I I don't know how to describe it. It just it didn't I, it didn't resonate with me. What do you think was the most memorable uh, moment from last night's debate? Uh, let's see. Yeah, I, I think it would have to be the the exchange uh, between Biden and Julian, um, where he was trying to hold his feet to the fire. And it's, it's unfortunate that that's the most memorable moment, because <laughs> uh, it, it's not my favorite moment. But um, I, I think that's what will probably be remembered of this last debate um were there any points that really made you think oh gosh this is this is making me cringe there were several um i i I was talking with a friend about it and uh i was saying that you know in order to win the office of the presidency you have to have a sort of general appeal uh, a coolness factor, I guess you could call it. And, and President Obama had it. He was able to connect with people. He was the guy you would have a beer with or hang out and play basketball. Um, a, a lot of these candidates, maybe because they're coming from the Senate, uh, where you're more measured, deliberative, uh, thoughtful, um, they just seemed really geeky to me. You know, and I, I, I'm a geek myself. I, I love getting... Hello? ...policy. Uh, but when, when it... Hello? Are you able to hear me? Uh, yeah, I can hear you now. Okay. So, yeah, I was just saying that they're coming across kind of geeky, you know, which I, I would normally like in terms of policy details, but I, I think in terms of personality and how you come across on the television screen, it's not really translating well, especially when you come from the Senate, which is more a more thoughtful, deliberative body, uh, whereas the, I guess presidents, presidential campaigns these days are more about the flash bang. <laughs> moments uh, from the candidates that made you think, oh yes, this candidate is just on fire? There, there was a moment, yes, where, when, uh, when Ms. Warren turned to one of her debate opponents, and I, I think she was holding out her finger or something in, in a very expressive gesture, and I, I, I think that was the moment that kind of gave me hope that, like, yes, a, a woman might be able to win this, because she was being very assertive, very firm, very strong. But it wasn't in a negative way. Like, it was something that she needed to be strong about, and, and she made her point well. Uh, and I, I felt convinced. Um, now, you talk about Obama and Obama's legacy. Are there any candidates on this on the stage, based on the, the performance, that made you think, oh, this person could be the next Barack Obama? I think Obama was someone special who comes along once in a generation, and I don't think we're going to see that again for a while. And, uh, you know, maybe we were spoiled a little bit by him. <laughs> As voters, we need to learn to eat our vegetables a little bit and maybe listen to these boring people and what they have to say. Uh, but I, I just given, you know, Trump being in the race, he's another one of these kinds of personalities. You know, it's, I, I don't know, it could be a hard sell. Were there any candidates that, uh, 
made you think more positively uh, about them than you than you would have had uh, based off of the uh, the debate. Uh, I, I just just Warren a little bit, you know, because like her her the, the style of her performance actually won me over. Um, but other than that, I I didn't see anyone on stage do anything all that different from who they were before. Uh, nothing really surprised me about this debate. Were there any candidates that made you think more negatively about them than you typically would? Julian Castro. <laughs> he really went after Biden. He was trying to define himself with that. And I, I think he picked the wrong issue to do it on because uh, he, he didn't do it in a substantive way. Uh, it, it masked the substance of the issue. And I, I don't think Democrats should go in that direction. Um, at one point during the debate, they were talking about uh, there was a discussion about every candidate's life experience, um, and how, you know where they came from, you know how they got to where they were, um, and 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 that was a question that a lot of them gave answers to. Do you think there were any candidates that gave good answer, particularly good answers uh, to that? to be honest I, I just fall asleep during that <laughs> I didn't pay a lot of attention to that part of the debate and I don't I've never asked I, I don't know how many voters actually vote based on life story it's a, it's a pretty standard aspect of most presidential campaigns that they'll release an official video telling you about the candidate what their background is um, but I in this current field I, I don't think I've heard anyone's life story that's really compelling or, or interesting I, I know Many of them came from less than economically advantaged backgrounds, um, but I, I'm not sure how much of that is going to translate to voters, and I, I can't recall a moment from this debate uh, that stood out. Based on tonight's debate, uh, you as somebody who's on the left, are there any of these Democrats that uh, you uh, would have hesit- would have reservations about voting for if they were the nominee? Policy-wise, no. I, I think as a person, maybe, because uh, being about president is more than just enacting your policies. Um, it's There's an X factor about, you know, I, I think Hillary tried to get at it with her 3 a.m. call ad from, from the last election. Um, it, you, you have to be able to trust that person to make a snap judgment in an emergency. Uh, and, you know, clearly we have someone in the office now who probably does not have that judgment for by all appearances. Um, so that's kind of a scary thing. And I, I, I think we need as a country that kind of reassurance that, you know, whoever makes it into office will be able to have that sort of presence, the gravitas, the experience and knowledge uh, to be able to guide the country in the right direction. Um, there, I can't think of a single person on that stage who completely fits that that definition, I, I think they're going to have to rise to the occasion. And I, I think that's why Warren's performance gave me a little bit of hope tonight, because she showed a flash of that. And if that keeps going, and if voters connect with that, that could be big for Democrats. Are there any uh, of the Democrats on the stage last night that make you think, uh, oh yeah, this, this person uh, could really, really be a good candidate to take on Donald Trump? 
on the debate stage <laughs> next year in 2020? No, I, I, I think all of them, uh, just personality-wise, it's hard to match Donald Trump. He's an unknown factor. He hasn't been seen before. Uh, well, <laughs> he might have been seen before in history, but not in ways that it, we want to talk about. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we thought we had left that part of history behind. Um, but it, in recent history, there's been no one like him. Uh, and in terms of the national stage, it, I'm hard-pressed to think of anyone who could really match his level of bombast, um, his, his carelessness with the facts, uh, and his personal vitriol, his hatred for his opponents. Um, so it, it's it's quite a force to go up against, and I, you know, just looking on that stage, as, just as a gut feeling, I, I didn't feel like any one of them had the same level of that that Trump has to be able to match it one for one, and it, it's really going to be up to the voters, I think, to <laughs> to make the right decision. Whoever ends up being the nominee. Were there any candidates in particular who you really think you'd be worried to see on the debate stage? with Donald Trump next year in 2020, just based off of a performance standpoint? Amy Klobuchar, I'm sorry to say. Um, she was very measured. She was very careful in her wording. She never varied her tone of voice that much from what I saw. Um, and I, I think the contrast, I think, would, you know, not to me, because I, I try to be open to differences, but I, I think to what we learned from the Trump winning was that, you know, a large swath of Americans are influenced by these things. And uh, I, I don't think she has it uh, to be able to just even stand on her own on that stage with Trump, just by appearances, uh, very shallow. I, I don't share this opinion. I'm just saying how I think a large number of Americans might, might perceive it. Um, now, do you believe... Uh, what was going to be my last... Hold on. Um, uh what do you believe there were any candidates or which candidate do you think gained the most from last night's debate hello yeah that so oh sorry i'm this, silent because i i'm just i'm i'm trying to think yeah. uh, i i don't think that there were any real standout moments where i could point to that and say oh yeah that will move the polls um so i you know, personally, Warren resonated with me. Uh, I don't know how many voters are like me. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it, I, I'm just going to be watching the polls in the coming weeks to see how much the numbers move. Because, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm just still learning, like, in this new political landscape where policy doesn't matter as much and people are attracted to certain personalities, like, what what is, that, what is actually going to make the voters latch on to one thing over another? And I, I didn't see anything on that stage was like, that was like, oh, yeah, that's it. That's the thing. Um, were there, who do you think gained the least from, uh, last night's debate? Or, or, or who do you think lost the most from last night's debate? Lost the most, uh, p potentially Beto O'Rourke, because he took that risky move with the, we're coming for your guns remark. Um, I, as much as I respect it, and I think someone needed to say it, I don't think it's going to work out for him politically, just from my discussions with my friends and, and what I've been hearing. Um, it'll be interesting if I'm wrong and the, the, you know his polls numbers go up, but I, I, I have to say, in general, gun control is a losing issue for Democrats. Uh, it's not something that people, from what I've seen, base their prime, their main vote on. Uh, Democratic primary voters might, but I, I 
don't know if Democratic primary voters this year are so short-sighted where they'll just vote for their own issues. I think a lot of us are looking for the candidate that can beat Trump. Um, and one more question before we sign off. Uh, what would you like to see? Obviously, it was just announced that uh, uh, CNN uh, and the New York Times will collaborate to uh, host the next debate in October. There will be at least 11 candidates. You'll see uh, the 10 that were here tonight, plus Tom Steyer, plus potentially others like Tulsi Gabbard or Marianne Williamson. What would you like to see from the next debate? I, I want moderators who actually try to drag the details out of the candidates, and, and, and the moderator should not let the candidates get away with platitudinal, generic rhetoric. Uh, I, that was really disappointing. I, I wanted to see more follow-up questions. You know, it's a rare opportunity for journalists to have these candidates face-to-face and really hold their feet to the fire. Um, and I, I just didn't see that. I, I saw too much deference. And uh, especially at this early stage of the campaign, we, we shouldn't be treating these candidates like royalty. We, we should be, it should work more like the UK's prime minister's questions, you know, where, where we might even insult you because, you know, we, we disagree with what you're saying or, or, you know, we're advancing an oppositional point of view. And, I, you know, we've come a long way from Lincoln Douglas. I, that, that was the debate style inspired by that campaign in the 19th century. Uh, that doesn't work on television. So we need another way to get to the substance of issues and, and try to actually inform the American people instead of just letting everything be about the dog and pony show. Uh, all right. Well, thank you again for uh, joining us, Omar. Uh, for those who are new, do you want to tell people where you can be found on social media? Sure. Uh, I'm at P-O-L-W-N-D-W. It's an abbreviation for political window, or you can just type it in on Twitter and Facebook. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Joe Biden told wealthy donors that nothing fundamentally would change if he were president. Kamala Harris said she's not trying to restructure society. Well, I am. He is the sitting mayor of America's largest city. He's received mixed approval ratings in his time in office. He was elected with over 70% of the vote to office. Who is Bill de Blasio, the ambitious Democrat seeking the White House? The candidates. Keep America great. Their story. Yeah, you're always, when you're young, you're always patted on the head and told that you're the future. But I'm interested in what you can bring to the present. And their fight for the White House. I have the most progressive record of anybody running. If you look at Joe's record and you look at my record, I don't think there's much question about who's more progressive. Presidential Profiles 2020. How we could actually make this government work, not just for a thin slice at the top, but make it work for everyone else. I think that, sure, if people want to speculate about running mates, I encourage that, because I think that Joe Biden would be a great running mate as vice president. Warren Wilhelm Jr. was born in Manhattan on the 8th of May, 1961 to Maria and Warren Sr. the youngest of two siblings. De Blasio is of Italian descent. 
His father received the Purple Heart Medal during World War II when a grand left permanent damage on his leg. During the 1950s, Warren Sr. and Maria were accused of being sympathetic towards communism. The two divorced when de Blasio was just seven after Warren's drinking made him brash and abusive. Growing up, de Blasio was given the nickname Bill or Billy. Growing up in Massachusetts, he attended Cambridge Ridge and Latin School. His father killed himself when de Blasio was 18. De Blasio changed legally his name from Warren Wilhelm Jr. to Bill de Blasio when he was 22. De Blasio claims this is because his mother's surname was de Blasio and he wanted to embrace his Italian heritage. De Blasio also cited his father's absence in his life as a reason for changing his name. In Cambridge, de Blasio joined the student body and got the nickname Senator Provolone. After graduating, de Blasio traveled to Nicaragua, in support of the country's communist ties. In 1989, he volunteered for David Dinkins' successful mayoral campaign. Dinkins was the last Democratic mayor of New York City until de Blasio took office in 2014. De Blasio publicly identified as a Democratic Socialist. Congressman Charles Rangel tapped de Blasio to work on his successful re-election campaign in 1994. That same year, he married Chileans McRae. They had two children together. De Blasio has long spoken of his experience being in an interracial marriage. President Bill Clinton appointed him to be regional director for HUD. In 2000, he was campaign manager to Hillary Clinton's successful U.S. Senate campaign. A year later, de Blasio attempted his first political attempt for the New York City Council's 39th district. Though the field was crowded, de Blasio won with 32%. He beat Republican Robert Bell by a 71-17% margin. During his time, he fought for anti-discrimination laws in New York City. He served until 2009, when he ran for New York City public advocate. Facing another crowded field which included former NYC public advocate Mark Green, de Blasio enjoyed endorsements from prominent local Democrats such as former New York Governor Mario Cuomo, former New York City Mayor Ed Koch, former NYC public advocate Betsy Gottbaum and Reverend Al Sharpton. De Blasio won the primary and beat Republican Alex Zablocki by a 78-18% blowout. He fought against charter schools as public advocate. However, he only served one term. In 2013, he announced his run for mayor. I want to talk about this whole notion of what can and can't be done. This is a city that has always believed in big, bold ideas, big, bold changes. De Blasio faced yet another crowded primary field, with opponents like former NYC Council Speaker Christine Quinn, former Congressman Anthony Weiner and 2009 Democratic nominee for Mayor Bill Thompson. De Blasio struggled in polls, and was considered the underdog. In spite of this he received celebrity endorsements from Sarah Jessica Parker, Alec Baldwin, and Susan Sarandon. Former Vermont Governor Howard Dean and Congresswoman Yvette Clark endorsed his campaign as well. Weiner saw a drop after a scandal involving him texting nudes to another woman. Quinn was scared by the anyone but Quinn campaign. Eventually, de Blasio won the primary with 40% of the vote. 
He beat Republican Joel Hota by a landslide 73-24% margin. As mayor, de Blasio was met with mixed approval ratings, with many bashing him for the conditions on the MTA trains and his handling on criminal justice issues, while others praised him for his progressive record and the drop in crime. In spite of his progressive record, de Blasio supported former U.S. Secretary of State Hillary Clinton over Vermont Center Bernie Sanders during the 2016 presidential election. De Blasio was also known for his public fights with New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. In 2017, de Blasio faced Republican New York Assemblywoman Nicole Maliartakis in a match for re-election, beating her by a 67-28% margin. De Blasio received mixed feelings for his handling of the Amazon deal in New York City, which led to a major loss of jobs for many of the city's residents. In early 2019, de Blasio began flirting with a run for the presidency. Polls in New York showed residents disagreed with his run. In spite of this, he announced he would run early that year. De Blasio for president, guys. Donald Trump must be stopped. I've beaten him before and I will do it again. I'm Bill de Blasio and I'm running for president because it's time we put working people first. De Blasio supports Medicare for all, major tax hikes for wealthy individuals and other progressive polices. Now he hopes to be America's 46th president. For more presidential profiles 2020, keep it right here on Politics Weekly.